Welcome to the Bullseye Podcast, episode four. Today we're talking about uh, USF versus ECU. Good win. We're back to 500. Uh, we're talking about um, our spooky picks for the rest of the season. And we're going to tell scary stories, uh, basically about our uh, most horrific experiences as USF alumni slash students at at games or whatever uh we have a good show uh today we have uh carl we have tyler Just, uh, justin is not here Ooh. Uh, we have juan and we have phil what's up hello where do you guys want to start off start off with the ecu game might as well ha i told you we were gonna pull it out last one of the year Probably. Uh, very possible. Very possible. But, I mean, I know we weren't playing a very good ECU team, but stats looked a lot better this week. Talk about stats. Tell me, I'm the Phil. Feed them to me. <laughs> well, we actually got more first downs than an opponent. First time to an FCS opponent this year, maybe the second time. 27-22, 525 yards of total offense to 324. Uh, we're outgained through the air. ECU had 222 to R178. But we tripled them on the ground, 347 to 102. Penalties re- remain a problem. Uh, 13 penalties for 124 Ooh. yards. Oh, my it's not good. Is that the regression? Yeah, that's <laughs> horrible. That's probably the most since we're recording. I think the maximum no. is 12. Yeah, I think since we're recording, we've had 12 for like 100 and. It's 100% one of the worst we've ever what was, had. What was the number you just said? Mm. 13. 13 penalties, 124 yards. That is That's right up bad. there. That's awful. We've that's awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charlie Strong has hit 150 yards of penalties with USF previously in like one other game, which I I can't remember which one of those was right now, but it has happened. It might have been Illinois. That makes I do sense. remember Illinois at home, I think was the last I think it was last year. Two. Two years ago. Yeah. yeah, two years ago. It was the most penalized, like, half, and even the announcers were talking about it. It was awful. It was painful. It was painful. It, well, at least we got – we won the turnover battle 2-1. We forced a fumble and caused an interception. Uh, just like last week, possession was essentially 50-50. We had the ball for 30-35. They had 29-25. Uh, better day from Jordan McLeod, 9 of 12, 102 Passing for two touchdowns. Cronkite, though, 12 carries, 129 yards, two touchdowns. He was named to the uh, AAC honor roll this week. And then Randall St. Felix had had that big boy touchdown, uh, went up and got one, one of his five receptions for 79 yards and a touchdown. That was a good catch. Randall St. Felix finally, like, actually showing something this year. I'm impressed he caught a ball. I, I, I'm sorry, but I have to agree with you. He's been... Frankly, bad this year. He's he's worried me the most with his route. Oh yeah, he's more than anything. He's looked like a one-trick pony for a while because it was um it, for a while it really felt like the only thing he could do is the long ball, and he's finally starting to come into his own, being able to catch more than just uh that seam or the uh, streak down the sideline. I love that if you go listen to the replay or you watch the highlight from that play, the whole ECU crowd they're singing Bon Jovi. Uh, and then suddenly you just hear um, on the broadcast, oh, touchdown, Randall St. Felix, while they're still singing. And then suddenly they just stop as, no, oh, crap, they scored again. It just the whole place goes silent, yeah. I think we've had a few of those moments. 
Phil, can you tell me how many um, targets Mitch Wilcox got this week? We had a one confirmed last week. I want to see if we're actually looking at him. I, I can't. ESPN doesn't have the how many times he was targeted, but he did have two receptions for 13 yards. So more at least. That's an improvement. I'll take All right, it. So, so to be fair, I mean, teams are are scouting him like super good mm-hmm. and just just covering the heck out of him. And what we see is Jacob Math is being used so much more. I mean, four for 40, uh, one TD along with 21. Like that helps when you have two tight ends that can catch. I, I love that. We attacked the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, he was running a uh, route right up the middle, uh, attacked the middle of the field. Nobody was covering him. Once he had it, two steps, he's in the end zone. It kind of reminded me of, uh, of the Gulf Coast offense a little bit. How many re- how many completions did we have total in the game? 16. 16? Six of those went to tight ends. That's a big percentage to the tight ends. I think we're looking for them now. Yeah, I like it. So that's an improvement. I think Juan's right in the fact that they're covering Wilcox, but they're still looking at the tight end position because Mathis is getting all those catches. Well, well, you you have to have both tight ends basically out there for to help out with the offensive line, so might as well use them as a mm-hmm. quick bump and bumping out i have to be fair to the offensive line today they did a phenomenal job this week no sacks given up when's the last time that's happened they had a good day against yukon no i mean no but i'm saying like you said when was the last time that happened that's fair we can't pretend like it doesn't count the the yukon game or any of the games we're we're very much not in a league with a lot of better teams so let's let's prop up the things that we do right against teams that are equal or worse than us. That's fair. I think the thing is right now, it's like it's very clear which teams USF is better than and which teams USF is worse than. Because if USF is worse than a team, then that team is going to absolutely pound the hell out of USF. If USF is AV. if USF is better than a team, then they're going to pound the hell out of them. Y- UConn and uh, ECU. The only game that's been close so far this year is Georgia Tech. I think if they play the Georgia Tech game again, I think we beat them. I want to mention one thing. ECU scored on the opening kickoff. It took 15 seconds for them to score, score a touchdown um, before we got the ball back. And instead of being USF and giving up immediately, we went down and scored a touchdown pretty much, on, I think, on the first drive. Wasn't it a very long, grindy drive? Uh, it was like 70 yards or so with just pretty much McLeod and Cronkite. It was a te- it was a ten play seventy five yard drive that took four fifty five off the clock. I mean, it was what were we arguing about last week? Where is McLeod ready to be the guy on a drive like that? It looks like he's ready to be the guy because by the time you come on the field, you know you have a big play against. He comes in and methodically leads the, his troops down the field, ties the game, and they went on to score thirty five unanswered points. Yep. I think I said it in the first podcast that we're bad against teams that either have a good pass rush or a fast tempo offense. Those are two things that we're very bad against, or at least it seemed. And lo and behold, the two games that we've dominated, UConn and ECU, the team couldn't get a pass rush. And you know that does a lot of good things for a quarterback that's struggling when he can stand up the mm-hmm. whole game. Not only did ECU not get a sack, which is the first time since week one they haven't gotten a sack, they had one quarterback hurry all game. We give the offensive line a lot of crap here. 
credit where credit's due. They looked phenomenal on Saturday. 525 total yards. That's the most yep. this season. And that's with a game against an FCS school and, uh, and UConn. And it, an ECU team that put up a fight with the team in Orlando. Yeah, honestly. They it did depends. put up a fight. No, they, they, they did. They Dude. actually did. It, you can't say, and they sort of put up. No, they, they legitimately yeah. put up uh, signs of life in Orlando, which is something that uh, you really didn't think this ECU team was going to do because they're frankly not a great team. But, you know, they brought it against uh, CDOT. And the fact that USF was able to comprehensively destroy them last week is really a surprise. I think it's a lot of keeping our heads in the game, even though we had turnover, not, not turnovers, even though we had uh, penalties and missed cues here and there. I think we kept our head in the game and we stayed mentally tough, which is something that we've struggled with the entire season. Yes. The defense, yes, or the defense on Saturday, they didn't give up a touchdown until I think 45 seconds to go in the game when it's beyond garbage time. So the defense completely shut them down. The offense to that point made it that, you know, the coaching staff had a pretty easy decision with George McLeod to take him out of the game with injury, which we're still here if it's there's an issue or if it was just precautionary, but you have those options when you're up. 35 to 7 and the game is beyond in control. I mean mm-hmm. if there hadn't been talk about his injury beforehand, taking him out at 35-7 would literally just be we're up 35-7 he came out of the game. We wouldn't even be talking about injury. Oh yeah, no. But at the same absolutely and, so. frankly that's the smart play to go at that point. It's and and, and when you add in the fact that yes, he probably was injured, then it really becomes a smart play. It's like, okay, let's see what the other guys can do and my god, Jack was Evans ran all over ECU. Didn't have an answer. Every one of our players did it. Oh, yeah, but but Jack was Evans legitimately looked like a uh, running back against them, which, to be fair, that's kind of what he does. But at the same time, what was he, six carries for 99 yards? One touchdown with a long of 53. So they that's not having an answer for him. He looked good against them. And this is, is admittedly, a team that I thought USF was going to lose by a fair amount to. Is this the first time we've had a two players of 100 yards uh, rushing since Quentin Flowers and Marlon Mack? To be fair, it's not 200, but, you know. I'm sure it happened last year at some point. Okay. It might have against UMass. UMass. I think UMass. I I think uh, Johnny Ford and... No. We play UConn every year. That's true. I don't know. if It happened. Okay. Probably. Sure. Let's talk about the game. Where does this leave USF? We're 500, and that feels good. We have the hardest stretch of our schedule to end the season coming up. Temple, Cincinnati, Memphis, and UCF. I think we're still not good enough to finish the season out strong. Uh, Surprise me if we do. That'd be great. But uh, I think maybe we steal a win from Temple since it's at home. But I don't think we can stay in the game long enough. I don't, I don't think we can keep up with the uh, remaining four teams on our schedule. Like USF, yes, they looked good against ECU, but like we've already determined, teams that are better than uh, USF are very, very clearly better than USF. Temple, 
I think this is the first time that an away team is going to uh, win in USF versus Temple. I I see four straight losses because it, as good as the team looked against ECU, USF was uh, supposed to beat ECU. If you if you really look into stats and everything, the uh, advanced stats said USF should win, and USF won by a lot every time that. And it's it's just been that way where what if USF is supposed to win, they win by a lot. If USF's not supposed to win, they're not going to look good. And all the all the remaining teams on the schedule, by all rights, are significantly better teams than USF. They can't USF can't seem to beat the expectation of them. This is a perfect time for a bye week, though. This really is, though. First of all, you you get a chance for everybody to get healthy, uh, kind of catch your breath a little bit. Uh, you have two weeks now to prepare for Temple, which Temple's never won in Tampa. So that USF has that going for them. They're going to feel good about this win. Now, I'm not going to say we're going to beat Temple, but I think it's going to be a competitive football game. But I'll save my predictions for next week when we go deeper into the Temple game. Is it is it a good time for the bye week, though? I mean, yes, for our dinged-up players, but momentum-wise, do, don't you kind of feel like this kind of stops it? Not really. I can see where you're coming from on that. But then again, that's also because I'm kind of pessimistic right now. The, it's... Right now, <laughs> it's possible to f- it is possible to feel optimistic about USF football. We felt that way a couple of years ago when uh, Quentin Flowers was still the quarterback. Um, it's optimism. That, yeah, that was we actually felt optimistic about the team. But you're not wrong. This is momentum wise, it's a poor time for USF to be going on a bye week. But we need to get some players back. We need we need everyone to get healthy. Um, don't get injured during practice the next week. And come into the Temple game at least as uh, healthy as possible. I mean, the, the best thing about the bye week is the timing of it, that it's right before a Thursday game. Temple, does Temple have a bye this week? Ah, uh, crap. Temple is coming in off a of bye week as well. Uh, yes. That's a shame. Because they, they're go. all right, well, that's one advantage that we might have had gone. Because if, if Yosef was going to uh, this game, and Temple was not coming off a of bye week, then, you know, that's a major, major uh, advantage to USF. And then you say, yes, this, that's a straight-up uh, good timing thing. But if Temple's also coming off a of bye, which, to be fair, I think it's a good thing that Temple's coming off a of bye because Thursday games after a Saturday game, not great for fitness-wise. Um, that's why so many NFL players are pissed off about Thursday games. It just throws off the whole schedule. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's unfortunate for USF because then it's like, okay, now we do have to, uh, play a full strength temple basically at home. I mean, if USF manages to win that game, then, you know, there's, there's some extra advantages going into the next game because then you have a longer break than the other team. But at the same time, it's like, we got to win that game first. Ironically enough, it looks like Cincinnati is the team that gets to the quarterback the least. That's very odd. It's a little surprising. Based purely off of that, something that we've really struggled with and has been a pretty positive correlation between our wins and our losses, you never know. Who coming up has the worst turnover uh, ratio? Uh, Cincinnati has seven fumbles with five of them lost. Cincinnati has five interceptions. Per Joey Knight, we now lead the country in takeaways with 20 after forcing two more on Saturday. So we're the number one defense in the country when it comes to takeaways 
the question that we had the, the other a couple of weeks ago of which uh, we were asking, is USF actually going to take the ball away or was it just inflated by that one game? Mm-hmm. It, yes, take U- the ball away. USF is in fact very good at taking the ball away from opponents. We're not number one. We're not number one, but we're very good at it. I feel we're like I feel like Ohio we're State. average. But I, what? Well, Joey Knight put it on Twitter. Well, if it's on the internet, it's true. Hundred percent. I think the the USF has been in the positive every week Ooh. in terms of uh, taking the ball away, at least. So hey, so stats here against Temple. I mean, Te- Temple has twelve fumbles, seven of them lost. They have eight interceptions. Ooh. So um, if we're gonna pick two Temple and Cincy, then. Uh, I mean, yeah, but also looking at UCF, um, they have five interceptions, but they also have 12 fumbles, but only five lost. Yikes on the I mean, fumbles. that's still... Good Lord, UCF. That's still 12 fumbles, and with a beast of a Patrick McCone on our field, I mean, that man will literally just take the ball and rip it out of your hands, as we saw against ECU. That'd make me feel really good. I agree. According to the NCAA website... We are currently number one in the country with takeaways, with 11 fumbles recovered and nine interceptions. Number number two in the country in turnovers, Cincinnati. Really? Oh, God, that game is just going to be <clears throat> awful. Turnover after turnover. Number eight in the country is SMU, which isn't surprising considering how good they've been this year. Dude, that game, this the uh, yeah. what was it, SMU versus Memphis this week? Yeah, game oh, day. that game is going to be a banger. I like that they're opening up game day to the smaller, not smaller, but the, the non-Power 5 schools. Two strangers. We had, yeah, we had, um, what did we have last week? We had the, the FCS schools getting yeah. getting the run. Well, they always do that, that and... uh, once a year. They, they uh, go on the road to the FCS. But the fact that game day is legitimately going to uh, an American athletic game, that's something to uh, take note of because that doesn't happen very often. It was often. Navy last year. Yeah. Right? Makes me feel good. Maybe we can get the War on I-4 game day one year. That'd be cool. No, we're not because nice. that's always going to be on a Friday. The undefeated and the one lost year would have been the year. Yeah. Uh, yeah right. that was, oh, God. That was, what a game. So I looked up I looked up our uh, remain Cincinnati's, like I said, tied for number two in the country in turnovers. Memphis, Temple, and Central Florida are all tied at 55th in the country with 12 turnovers. That's so weird. Wait, and you said we had what, 19? 20. 20? So you, how many did we have in, the, in that one game where we had a, way too many? Eight. Eight? So we're right there with them at 12, right? Or you also have to, but you also have to say, it's like, okay, we're averaging what, about a little over two turnovers a game, two and a half? Even if we get that two and a half, let's just say – 14, 15 turnovers, 14 turnovers would be good for, would be, 14 turnovers would be good for 22nd in the country. You said 14? I thought we had eight turnovers again. If we're, if we're saying I'm about saying, to a game, if. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're yeah, right. If it's about four, if we're, if we force 14 turnovers in the season, we're ranked 22nd. We force 15, we're 16th in the country versus three of our final four opponents who sit at 55th. I found the team sacks, finally. <laughs> you want to know, what were our two worst losses this year? SMU Wisconsin. and Wisconsin. SMU, number two in the country in sacks. Wisconsin, number four in the country in sacks. That sounds about right. Who's number one and number three? Pittsburgh, ironically. Really? Ohio State. Pitt's number one? Pittsburgh, we definitely owe you. It's the Yinzers, dude. So I'm, I'm going <laughs> to keep scrolling. 
Cincinnati, so they must have a lot of people with a couple sacks. They have their 35th. They just don't have one guy that gets them. Um, Temple is 40th, tied with us, actually. So there goes that. (laughs) There goes that hypothesis as far as sacks go. We'll we'll go a lot deeper uh, when it's Temple week, but there are some stats that say this could be, if we're going to somehow slip into six wins and get a bowl game, this is the one we have to have. Yeah, you can't. We're not going to get it against the ranked teams. We can maybe beat Temple. There's and Houston at 89th. Dear God, what happened to their defense? Uh, they stopped, they playing. stopped playing straight up and losing at Oliver. I mean, they, no, they they have legitimately like stopped playing at this point. Really? They? I'm pretty sure they're legitimately tanking the season. Are they getting the number one pick? I don't think so, actually. They're just going to get, like, a really solid grad transfer or something. That'd be funny if that's how it was distributed. Like, worst teams get the <laughs> best grad transfers. What's, uh, what's his name? Ed Oliver? Ed Oliver just... <laughs> Comes back. ...re-enrolls as, as odd Oliver. No, if Ed, if Ed Oliver was still there, he'd be taking a red shirt right now. That's, you're probably right. UCF was right behind us in Temple with 19. We're both at 20. All right, that's enough for USF football for right now. Um, I know that a bunch of you guys went to uh, some USF soccer games or saw some USF soccer games this week if you want to talk about them. I'll go first since I don't know as much. I just, I'm more of a casual soccer observer. We looked flat and, I don't know, uninventive, I guess is a good term for how the offense and the team as a whole looked against UCF when we played them. And they looked light years better than we did. And we were lucky, in my mind, to escape losing only one nothing. And as someone who actually does watch soccer on a regular basis and knows the game better than Tyler, I wholeheartedly agree. USF has looked better in many games this year. Um, and they really just did not look like they were... Uh, they had the full sort of creative flow going as they've had against other teams. And then even that aside, UCF, their technical skill was, was in fact, light years better than USF. They did the little things right. The, they, they, their passes were crisp. Their touches were good. And they made decisions significantly faster than USF did. USF, you usually see the uh, wingbacks go bombing down the sidelines. And they just didn't do that until USF found themselves down late in the game. With that loss, I mean, that, that officially eliminates the Bulls from regular season conference contention, which we've been really out of for the last couple of weeks now. The funny part is, with a 2-2 draw to FIU and a one nothing loss to Orlando, we actually went up in the RPI rankings to 38, and we have a big opportunity coming up. Uh, we finish up against Cincy at home and then go on the road to Memphis, who currently sits at... 22nd RPI, so big chance to get a quality win before the conference tournament. Bulls just need one win to clinch a spot in the six-team tournament. They can only finish as high as second, which isn't going to happen. SMU and Temple, if they get two points, that that won't happen. Memphis needs to lose, and we have to win out. At this point, USF just make the conference tournament and uh, go from there. They should be able to, because if they win against Cincy, they clinch, they clinch a tournament spot, and they can't finish any worse than the fifth seed. Then it just depends on how the rest of the conference shakes out to determine seeding. But win against Cincy, and we're playing postseason soccer. 
That's the bottom line. And on that, like they they need to get back to winning because at, after after a uh, rather poor weekend, they uh, actually wasn't la- poor last two weeks. As much as their RPI did go up, they need to get back to winning if they want to make the, the uh, conference or if they want to make the NCAA tournament. Because this is a program that expects to go to the NCAA tournament every year. Uh, they've missed uh, every year that Bob has been. That's true. Yeah, they, they've missed every year that uh, Butehorn has been the coach so far. And as much as I like Butehorn, uh, his job might be on the line if he uh, doesn't make it again this year. I will say I, I have seen an improvement in the squad. I mean, especially look at that Louisville win earlier in the year where they were just the better team from kickoff to the final whistle. With the way our RPI is, with number 22 Memphis still on our schedule, we're at seven wins. Typically between 10 and 12 is when you start to have a conversation of can you get in the tournament. Get to 10 wins, beat Memphis, have a decent showing at the AAC tournament, which Butehorn still has not won a game in his two years here at the AAC tournament. It's only had one game. Yeah, that's, that's accurate. I mean, I mean, uh, you can't really like splash that out there. Like, he has yet to win a game. He's only played one game. Well, I mean, I, I feel like I can because we failed to qualify for the tournament two years ago, and that's not good. Straight up. Like, I understand two years ago it was only a four-team tournament, but at the same time, it was kind of a situation with similar to the U.S. national team. Just get a get a point on the road against a team. You really shouldn't lose two in Temple, and they they lost on the road, and lo and behold, they missed the tournament. How many years ago did he start as coach again? This is his third year. His third season. Okay, so he missed his first year. He missed his first year, but Kiefer made the NCAA the year before. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying – I'm not even saying Butehorn should be on the hot seat simply because I've seen – at least in my opinion, I've seen enough improvement from the squad. I've seen – enough talent come in, a younger talent that I think will be okay. You really, really, really have to know how soccer's played to see the improvement that USF has made this year. With what uh, Butehorn is trying to accomplish, which to be to oversimplify, he's trying he's really trying to make sure the players know the game, which sounds dumb, but in in reality, NCAA soccer tends to be a lot of set plays more similar to football than it really is soccer. And Bob's trying to play soccer. He's trying to make sure the players know what they're doing, why they're doing it beyond just, Hey, do this. And you can, that sounds like a good thing. It is. It's a very good thing. I like the style a lot and it just doesn't necessarily show results right away. No, it doesn't. That takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort and the players really have to buy into it if they're going to get it done. The players are, in fact, doing that now, and they look like they're actually understanding the game significantly more this year. Uh, and one of the big things is the fact that uh, USF was missing uh, that striker with a really deadly eye, and now they have that in Victor Claudel. Yes, he's still young, but he's shown, he, he's shown that he has that touch. He has that eye. And in a couple of years, he'll have that skill as well. I mean... Look at his roster from from every year that he's been. I mean, the f- the first year he was here, almost none of those were his guys. I don't think any of those were his guys. And then his next year, everybody's young, freshman. Uh, I think he had on the field at least 
six to eight freshmen every game. Best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores. Exactly. And look at this year, those same freshmen from last year, Avion Flanagan, Marcus Murphy, Javane Brown, Mazzafaro is a freshman. Claudel, I think, is a yes, freshman. Yes, uh, he uh, Who else? Uh, Bill Hart is now a junior. Uh, he's looked good this year. Yeah. He's, he, so the more experience that they're getting, uh, the better they're becoming and the more they're playing with each other. I mean, that just the building the chemistry alone and the type of style that Bob likes to play is a lot of one-touch passing and then play that man through. Um, and that's the kind of team that we are. You know, we're we're not the largest and we're <clears throat> and we're not always the fastest, but we play on our small speed and technical ability a lot, and just being able to get those open looks. And I understand that we played from behind. What did the stats look like at the end, Phil? How many shots do we have? Five on goal. There's so many shots that this team takes. We had 13 shots total with five on goal. UCF had 16 shots uh, total, five on goal. So on, on par. Yeah, so as, as much as I said that it, to me, looked somewhat boring and uninventive at times, we almost matched them in shots. We did match them in shots on goal. So I will, I will however, say this. Um, every school in the NCAA does this. They will count things that aren't necessarily shots. Uh, as shots just to inflate stats, so it does look like that. In reality, you probably take away five from both sides. That said, yes, USF was matching UCF, but UCF had better looks. And I will say, for whatever reason, maybe they just had an off night because I am not a person who's watched much UCF soccer, but good Lord, they couldn't finish to save their life. They should have had so many goals. They really should have. UCF had so many open looks that really should have gone in, and I don't know how. There was one which, uh, on a corner, guy had an absolutely open header in the entire net open to him. I'm pretty sure he headed straight to the ground because he made contact, Mm -hmm. and the entire stadium was like, oh, they scored. And then suddenly the ball's not in the net. Suddenly he gets cleared out, and we're like, how in the hell did that just happen? We'll say what's really impressed me about them this season how many times over the past couple of years have we joked about how just horrendous our set pieces have been? Meanwhile, this year our set pieces are, they're dangerous. And Carl, you can back me up because I don't know as much about it, but I was really just listening to James. But there were two straight corners where we ran a perfect play to the back post, but sent it front and then ran a perfect play to the front post and sent it back. Yep. that's And it was quite frustrating. And that's just on the passing that, I don't think there was a miscommunication there. I think that the uh, the crosses that came in there just weren't the right ones. I'm pretty sure that USF saw what they wanted, and but they just couldn't quite get it. And this is and this is where um, the technical skill comes into play. USF good technical skill. UCF great, great, great technical skill. Let's just take just take care of business this weekend against Cincinnati. It's Senior Day. Win that. We're in the tournament and. You know what they say about postseason anything. Just once you're in, anything can happen. All right. That sounds like a good end to men's soccer hey, talk. Hey, uh, hey, how did uh, the... Ryan, before you get going. Go ahead. Yeah, Tyler knows what's <laughs> about to happen. Uh, also, on the, and on the, um, <laughs> on the thought of anything can happen. I shouldn't laugh. Here's, it's it's uh, mini story time. 
if you do come to a USF soccer game and you have your kid, you might want to make sure that they're with you and you're able to pay attention to the game. Uh, we had a kid uh, standing pretty much right behind the goal. Right, Not just standing. He was walking. Yeah, he was walking. Oh, was, no. He, yes. Uh, you're starting to see the punchline here. He's walking, no. walking directly behind the goal. Absolutely, absolutely obliterated. Absolute laser of a shot comes in, blazes the bar, uh, and curls straight back off the post, straight in the head. It was like a oh. basketball video that you see where the guy heaves the full court shot. And there's just that kid that's walking the baseline, and he just gets rocked that's exactly by the ball. Exactly, yes. The worst timing I've ever seen. I... If you're going to be a child, and you're going to do stupid shit, if you get hit you're not in the listening. Head, yeah, if you're going to do stupid shit, and you're a small child, own it. Did, did the kid cry? Yeah, he was. Too, I he mean, was too young to really know. Not only going. did he get hit in the head, he his head made contact with the ground. I'm not blaming Oh, no, no. 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 He had a I bad blame day. the children. I blame the parents also. These parents, the, make sure you the, know where your kids are, The parents, dumbasses. they were, no, the parents were in the stands and there were 50 kids playing on the berm. 50? I'm not blaming the parents. <sighs> what, you don't put a tracker on your kids? You think more? Because that's the only way I think you're going with this. Yes. I think there were more. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like they were being irresponsible. They were just letting their kids play. But good uh, man, oh that was God. that really unfortunate. Does anyone have really video? hope that kid's okay? He was certainly really upset about the this. whole ordeal. Well, he's not getting it to gifted. It. <laughs> Listen, I was a damn Oh man! Did he do his I, ten push-ups? Uh, no, no, no push-ups. Uh, well, see, that that's the problem, man. Yeah, that's did, the did the Golnos at least? Did the Golnos at least chance sign him up? No, everyone was like, "Oh God!" See, this is the problem, though. Millennials. I thought, you know, going into this game because we've had to at soccer games versus UCF restrain some of our fans from getting in altercations with their fans. Tyler's right? not actually it's talking about before. me. No, but I think we all know who he's talking about because it's a rivalry. Well, this game, though. They were giving out, what, what is it, wigs, Carl? Yeah. I guess that's what we're going to call them, green wigs. Huh. And so we had extras because we were saving them for people who showed up. And so a couple of kids came up and asked us. They're like, hey, can we have one? Sure, because it was past halftime. No one else was showing up. This one kid comes up and just pushes by us and grabs one off the ground. And I need this my, for my uh, friend. <laughs> my... <laughs> wonderful future bride was very upset and so only bride, i not wife what only bride not wife both you can be Ross? just bride <laughs> shelby he called you only a bride <laughs> i'm leaving that in my future i've i've only planned to the wedding that's all i got <laughs> anyway so for the first time i had to not only hold back an adult from an adult I had to hold back an adult from a child, not for physical harm, <laughs> but because she was going to go ream a child for not being polite. So that was something I didn't expect to do that day. That said, that hey, kid was guess, sassy as hell. And Oh, uh, no, he deserved it. Yeah, he did. If, but if I didn't, wanna, I didn't want the parents to come over and do the whole, my spoiled kid is entitled to whatever he wants dance. So... Millennial parents, man. Mother, mother versus mother. I take mine. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've... I'm just saying. On that thought of uh, having to hold people back, 
this was the most well-behaved I four game across any sport I've ever seen ever. Straight up. What was the t- kind of why that, I like, called it boring? Yeah, no, it was both both sides okay. were almost downright polite to each other. Hey, what? It was really well, boring. How it many, was how so many weird. Gold mouths were there. What are gold mouths? Me, Carl, James. I'll tell you. Yeah, James. Yeah. It, cool. Me, Tyler, and James were there. That's really all you need to know. And there was very little to yell at. Just refs making good calls, I guess. Or... I mean, the ref made a couple of them great. Nobody the hitting same each time other. Was, yeah, no. Is both teams behaved themselves during this game, which was really What's weird. The, fun and in that? the only time it got chippy was when they were time wasting at the end. But that would have happened with any team. Yeah, no. There's there's no fun in it. There's no fun in a rivalry game for me if I'm not yelling profanities at the goal. You at the SM. You at the SMU game was priceless. <laughs> I had two years of pent up. Goldmouth aggression in me, you know. Uh, all right, that's enough of USF men's soccer because I'm I'm just confused at this point about what's going on. I've got about uh, two minutes worth of uh, for the women's team. I'd like to touch on just real quick. So the women's team were two and zero this week. They actually clinched a first round bye for the tournament next week. Uh, pretty much dominated the all uh, conference awards. Uh, Cindy Martinez won goalkeeper of the week. Evelyn Viennes, Shapira Surprise, won Offensive Player in the Week. And Carl, help me if I... Benny Peltier-LaRoche. What he said was also named to the honor roll. Uh, they've clinched a first-round bye for the tournament. They can defend their regular season title uh, on Thursday when they go to Orlando. If they win and Memphis drops points, they win the regular season title and host the tournament. If Memphis wins, they host. All right. I feel like... We should move on to yes. some scary picks and scary stories. Yes. Um, in the vein of soccer, I'll open with mine. Mm-hmm. My USF scary story is, I believe it was Boston College NCAA oh tournament. Oh, my God. We're hosting it. Just a, a slow bouncer, whatever, uh, to Spaz on his right, and it just goes right underneath them, giving them the 1-0 lead. I absolutely was crushed. Prosper Figby just wills us into overtime with literally uh, a last like thirty second goal. We lost. We we lost. I was very sad. Uh, Spasey, a very good place in my heart, except for that one moment. He's truly the only USF uh, soccer player. I remember his name. That's. I think you didn't go to enough soccer games. I went to a lot of soccer games, and Stefanovic, because you know why? He's the only one. Bad memory. He's the one that, but (laughs) he's also the only one who added me on PSN. We're friends. Sure, you play all the time. Never. Uh, Who's who wants to go next for their their USF scary Mm. story? I can. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Take you back to the year of two thousand seven, when I was a wee young lad of fourteen, and. It was a fateful Thursday night when USF was ranked number two in the nation. And we went up to the Ray Rice and Devin McCourty-led Rutgers team. Are you? And please edit that abomination that Ryan just said out of the forever. I'm a Jersey boy. We were up 17-10 to 10 with four minutes left in the second quarter. Blocked a field goal and took it down the field but fumbled it twice. Returned it for a touchdown, but then it was ruled two illegal forward passes 
which I have never heard called against a play that was not a quarterback running across the line of scrimmage. Then, with a minute and five left in the game, we were only down three points. It was fourth and 22. And we converted to get down to the Rutgers 29-yard line. And I saw the weakest pass interference call I've ever seen. And then we lost and proceeded to lose our next two games and tumble all the way out of the top 25. And my 14-year-old heart was very broken, and I still have not recovered. Mari Jackson did not push off. You know, nope. it's very it's very brave that you that you brought that up. Are you, um, are you okay, Tyler? I'm wounded. No, I'll never be okay. I'm pretty sure most of the USF fan base will never be okay from that either. It's okay. We know other things USF will never recover from. Carl, you're up. 2017 Black Friday. USF just tied UCF in one of pro- probably one of the best college football games ever played, and USF kicks the ball off real for the first time in the game we see it in the air and suddenly i see how the how the teams are lining up i see what usf is uh looking for and suddenly i think oh no mike hughes catches the ball takes it all the way to the house to win the game and frankly one of the best finishes to a college football game of all time but my god if that's not breaking and we still had a chance and we still had a chance but Heartbreak tense too. But when he when he did that, you know, you know, it's like, uh, this isn't meant to be, is it? I have a parallel story. There were forty seven seconds left on the clock. Uh, US UCF is up forty nine to forty two. Generational hero, Quinton Flowers, tosses a beauty to Mitch Wilcox. Richie Grant, and the, Richie Grant, if you're listening right now, I want you to know that you've ruined lives here. Richie Grant punches the ball out from Mitch, uh, and it is recovered by UCF to finish us off. UCF would finish the season undefeated. USF would uh, lose this game, would be their second loss on the year. It basically ruined us, all of our hope, and it also created the biggest monster in the NCAA for about two years where UCF would, would take momentum from this game and win another and then claim that they were national champions. Jesus Christ. Make it and go away. I'm so glad that they've sh- finally shut up. They haven't shut up. We've just muted the enough bots. No, they've, they've legitimately stopped <laughs> making nearly as much noise now that they've lost two games this year. It's great. Thank you, Pitt. Thank you, Pitt. Thank you, Pitt. We were we were all at this game. Yep. I it was a great tailgate. I stone cold I stone colded some beers with Juan. He busted yes. his. I think you you busted your lip open, right? I think so. I don't know. I was bleeding. Uh, Ryan, yeah. you were late to get into the game. We missed Tyree McCancellor to drag a guy fifteen yards into the end zone. Thanks, Hafty. Couldn't be me. I don't Same. think I was late getting into Yeah, you were. I was you and Haley my, were. You guys were I very late getting to my seat. You guys were very late oh. and very drunk. And oh, Carl and I had supporters. to wait outside the stadium with your ticket. And we all we hear is our section go nuts. We pull out our phone and we're like, holy effing. Sh-. Look what Tyree just did. You can curse on this podcast. Um, yes. Not in Oklahoma. You can't. He gets kicked yeah. out. Oh, Bible belt, baby. Whatever. 
Yeah, so basically the scariest moment of my career also spawned the demons from Orlando for two years and ruined any chance that Quentin Flowers had of making a NFL career happen. And hopefully Mitch Wilcox learn from these mistakes. And if we throw him the ball, there's a million different things that I can go in a million directions. I'm going to stop now. Phil. The name Nick Sharga. 2016. USF at Temple. Top 20 team. We win. We have control of the AAC East. Uh, control our destiny to go into the title game. Potentially the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. And what happens? We don't have an answer for their fullback, Nick Sharka, who absolutely, utterly annihilates our defense. Creates holes for their running back. And that was it. We did not have the answer. It was the one of the few games where our offense just couldn't bail out the defense. Quinn Flowers got hurt at the end of the game. It was, and you know, we at the end of the day because we lost because we lost Temple, we had to sit and hope for Memphis to get it done, which they did not. And then the worst single feeling, sitting there, and I think Tyler, we were watching this game together, watching we UConn try to beat Temple. And just watching UConn be UConn. I changed and my Twitter profile picture for them. In the for for what, five, five, six days, the whole city of Tampa put aside our differences with Connecticut and was rooting for the Huskies. There was no reason that team should have not made the conference title and had a decent shot of winning it. All because we got Nick Shargad in Philadelphia. It's unfortunate. All I know is that game, listening to it, First of all, we were all watching the uh, all don't watching the it. In USF. Don't, don't even. It still triggers me to this day. I will if I hear one more time how single digit players were the toughest players on that roster. They said oh. that every freaking play. I thought you were gonna go into the lady. Tackle them. No, get him. Get, get him. Get him. Yeah, it was too southern. And she just—it would have been fine if she didn't repeat it literally a hundred times during that game. During even, that on two, even on two-yard runs, which she's yelling, "Get him! Get him!" It's like we—we we got him. We're good. Like that whole night was just miserable. Has everybody gone? Mm-hmm. All right. We have a bye week this week for football. Hopefully, these scary USF stories will. Teach us all a lesson that nothing is permanent except the pain. USF is never USF is never great, and we should stop trying. Basketball starts tomorrow. Basketball, Basketball starts, starts, this starts week. tomorrow. Yeah, they start tomorrow. They play Saint Leo in an exhibition game next week. Yep, next week it starts for real, and that that could be fun. Both teams, both teams could be good. When's the last? I'm so excited. Once it's ever since we've been here. When's the last time both the men's and women's basketball have been good at the same time? Never, never. You, women's basketball dominated when when I was a student. Um, USF basketball, uh, USF men's was a laughing stock. We, we did have a huge butt of the joke. We did have the Alabama game right after the kick sticks. Where the whole student section is chanting Auburn. That's one of my best college memories. <sighs> but uh, I'm so I'm so ready for basketball to start. Um, 
<clears throat> if only because I know they have the most potential in the world to do good things. I think they can even squeak in uh, an NCAA tournament berth if they if they win enough games. I think that'd be so great. I think squeak is the right word. Yeah, I think squeak is the right word. I don't think they're going to dominate. You know, they might come second or third in the in the conference. Um, but I think that's a, I think that's a lock if they come in second or third. Yeah. The AAC the AAC is usually a three three or four bid league. All right, so three or four then. I'm just excited for it, man. I I'm ex- I'm super stoked on this basketball team. I think they can really do some great things. They're still still super young, but they now have a lot of experience. They played a lot of games last year, uh, and they came home champions. Hopefully, we can maybe scare some some of the bigger teams this year. We'll even look at Cincinnati last year. We gave them a fight. Mm-hmm. How how many of the top teams? I, we didn't really get blown out by anybody. We stuck around. We made them earn it. And in the end, the better team won. But I'm very excited for this year. I'm just excited to start our debate of whether free throws or turnovers are more important. Free throws. Both. They are not exclusive to each other. You can be good at free throws and not bad at turnovers. It's a simple concept, really. Shoot the ball from the free throw line. You're uncontested. Don't be idiots and turn the ball over. I'm trying to really, uh, in my in my brain, figure out why one would be better than the other. Why would you have one, not the other? I think at this point, Tyler and I just have to agree to disagree on that, just just to, for the fun of it, because the debates last year were pretty funny. How about how about next week? We'll do since there's no um, no no football game. We'll do a basketball preview. Yep. Let's do it. That sounds good, right? No, I hate it. We'll do a we'll do a basketball preview next week. Listen in. <laughs> All right. The that that's it. Uh I hope everybody had a good time. Uh I know I did. Um have a happy Halloween from all of us here at the Bullseye. Ooh. Uh oh take candy from babies. Dress up like a mora. Oh, what are you guys dressing up as for Halloween? Poor. <laughs> Poor. Me, every day of my life. You're not. Uh, you're not dressing up, Tyler. You have a. You have a child. You're not going yeah. trick or treating. She's dressing up as Fancy Nancy. What am I supposed to do? What is Fancy Nancy? Put on your children's best show. damn suit and go find a top hat. But that's that's not what the parents in the show look like. What do they look like? Regular people. Oh, I hate so those. Some would say that I am already dressing up. For- All right. Well, then you you you've done it. Um, I'm also dressing up as a regular person. I'm trying to be Hank Hill from uh, King of the Hill. And no uh, comment. No, no comment. I mean, it, what do you mean no comment? It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I just great. I could say mean things. I'm choosing I'm not to sad. say mean things. Get over it. <laughs> um, listen, I'm not the only one on this podcast with a beer belly. What's a beer belly? Uh, the the thing you got. Mm. Um. <laughs> Haley's dressing up as Haley's dressing up as Captain America so she can be America's ass. Ah, yes, the classical combo: Hank Hill and Captain America. <laughs> the two most American things in in America. Oh my Christ! I can't wait to see so, their next movie together. It's over. Happy Halloween. Get candy. Nothing scarier than the Bills. Fight children if you have to. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Enjoy the bye week.